surreptitious glance at his watch. Five minutes to five, only five minutes more. Fancying that the other man had noticed his surreptitious glance, he hastened once more into speech. There are few people travelling at this time of year, he said, glancing up at the windows of the sleeping car above them. That is so, agreed Monsieur Poirot. Let us hope you will not be snowed up in the Taurus. That happens. It has occurred, yes. Uh, not this year, as yet. Let us hope, then, said Monsieur Poirot. The weather reports from Europe, they are bad? Uh, very bad. In the Balkans there is much snow. In Germany, too, I have heard. Eh bien, said Lieutenant de Bosch hastily, as another pause seemed to be about to occur. Tomorrow evening at 7.40 you will be in Constantinople. Yes, said Monsieur Poirot, and went on desperately. La Saint-Sophie. I have heard it is uh, very fine. Magnificent, I believe. Above their heads, the blind of one of the sleeping car compartments was pushed aside, and a young woman looked out. Mary Debenham had had little sleep since she left Baghdad on the preceding Thursday. Neither in the train to Kirkuk, nor in the rest house at Mosul, nor last night on the train had she slept properly. Now, weary of lying wakeful in the hot stuffiness of her overheated compartment, she got up and peered out. This must be Aleppo. Nothing to see, of course, just a long, poor-lighted platform with loud, furious altercations in Arabic going on somewhere. Two men below her window were talking French. One was a French officer. The other was a little man with enormous moustaches. She smiled faintly. She had never seen anyone quite so heavily muffled up. It must be very cold outside. That was why they heated the train so terribly. She tried to force the window down lower, but it would not go. The wagon-lit conductor had come up to the two men. The train was about to depart, he said. Monsieur had better mount. The little man removed his hat. What an egg-shaped head he had! In spite of her preoccupations, Mary Debenham smiled. A ridiculous-looking little man. The sort of little man one could never take seriously. Lieutenant de Bosch was saying his parting speech. He had thought it out beforehand and had kept it till the last minute. It was a very beautiful, polished speech. Not to be outdone, Monsieur Poirot replied in kind. En voiture, Monsieur, said the wagon conductor. With an air of infinite reluctance, Monsieur Poirot climbed aboard the train. The conductor climbed after him. Monsieur Poirot waved his hand. Lieutenant de Bosch came to the salute. The train, with a terrific jerk, moved slowly forward. Enfin, murmured Monsieur Hercule Poirot. said Lieutenant de Bosch, realizing to the full how cold he was. Voilà, monsieur. The conductor displayed to Poirot with a dramatic gesture the beauty of his sleeping compartment and the neat arrangement of his luggage. Uh, the little valise of monsieur, I have placed it here. His outstretched hand was suggestive. Hercule Poirot placed in it a folded note. Merci, monsieur. The conductor became brisk and businesslike. I have the tickets of monsieur. I will also take the passport, please. Monsieur breaks his journey in Istanbul, I understand. Monsieur Poirot assented. There are not many people travelling, I imagine, he said. No, monsieur. I have only two other passengers, both English, a colonel from India and a young English lady from Baghdad. Monsieur requires anything? Monsieur demanded a small bottle of Perrier. Five o'clock in the morning is an awkward time to board a train. There was still two hours before dawn. 
Conscious of an inadequate night's sleep and of a delicate mission successfully accomplished, Monsieur Poirot curled up in a corner and fell asleep. When he awoke, it was half-past nine, and he sallied forth to the restaurant car in search of hot coffee. There was only one occupant at the moment, obviously the young English lady referred to by the conductor. She was tall, slim, and dark, perhaps twenty-eight years of age. There was a kind of cool efficiency in the way she was eating her breakfast, and in the way she called to the attendant to bring her more coffee, which bespoke a knowledge of the world and of travelling. She wore a dark-coloured travelling dress of some thin material eminently suitable for the heated atmosphere of the train. Monsieur Hercule Poirot, having nothing better to do, amused himself by studying her without appearing to do so. She was, he judged, the kind of young woman who could take care of herself with perfect ease wherever she went.